When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Hey, surprise, everybody. Welcome to a little pop-up edition of Rico Bronia. We figured we'd give you a bonus episode because our Lord and our Savior, Stephen Aloysius Jefferson Washington Cohen, on President's Day, decided to meet the media. He went down to Metcamp. He saw a couple of microphones and said, let me speak to the unwashed masses. Let me speak to the Met fans. So today we will listen to all of what Steve Cohen had to say and we'll respond, kind of give our opinions on each of those clips. So if you haven't heard what Steve Cohen said, great. You got your one-stop shop to hear pretty much everything he had to say. If you've already heard him talk, well, guess what? You'll get to hear our reaction to what Steve Cohen discussed as spring training is well underway. So, Pete, let's kick it off. What's the first thing we're going to hear our leader talk about? Well, our leader did have a lot to say. So let's get something out of the way that just just a quick, subtle, we don't have to pontificate on it, but he had something to say about one man and one man only, Shohei Otani. Steve, how much are you already thinking about autonomous free agency? I'm not thinking about anything other than this season, okay? Like, that's next year, all right? Like, let's worry about this year. (laughs) That's my guy. That's what I've been saying. We'll worry about that next year. For now, there's not much to say about Shohei Otani. I'm glad that it was at least asked, but it's one of those questions where you know you're not getting an answer. Like, what do you think Steve's going to say? Yes, I go to sleep every single night, And all I could think about is Shohei Otani in a thong. It's all that's on my mind. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised that Steve kind of swatted that away. But like but like on this podcast, we started with Manny Machado, got that whole thing out of the way. Let's get to the real meat and potatoes of the things is that he is just the big thing. The big message is that he's fully committed to this team. Well, you know, listen, that's part of my consideration. And, you know, I, I made a commitment to the fans, right? And it wasn't a short-term commitment. You know, when I do something, I don't do it halfway, okay? I mean, I, when I'm in, I'm all in. And, uh, you know, I, I don't accept mediocrity well. And so I have a certain high expectations. And it, you know, if it requires me to invest in this club, then I'm going to do it. Oh, that's the red meat that we love. <laughs> that is the... The absolute red meat that we love as Met fans when he says, I don't accept mediocrity. If I'm going to go, I'm going to go all the way with it, kind of like the spending that we saw during this offseason. It's one of those things where you want every owner in this town to say things like that. Now, ultimately, you got to win. I think we all understand that. And so we are only, I think this is really going to be the third year of Steve Cohen as the owner. 21, 22, and 23. And think about what we've seen. 21 was a disaster, and I think mistakes were made. Certainly the hiring process wasn't ideal. They made the Javier Baez trade, which I think 
looking back on it, looks like a really bad decision. And obviously last year was a very successful regular season that ended in playoff disappointment. So we're starting to learn about how Steve Cohen reacts to things and how aggressive he's going to be to help this team win. But that's the red meat we like. We're not going to go part of the way. We're going to go all of the way. I like it. Uh, and, and on an, another note, too, which we didn't touch on, I mean, the whole Sandy Olsen's being not part of this team anymore, at least being removed as president is interesting because, again, you talked about he was very much involved in the beginning of this team. He's gone now. The Javi Baez mistake that, that we can all talk about. I mean, he's not really impactful anymore. It's a completely different team over the past few years. Well, they've also, you know, in the three years that Steve has run this team, they've had a lot of different decision makers. I mean, when you think back to first it's Sandy Alderson, <laughs> then you have the Travis, uh, the Travis, the Jared Porter guy who lasted about 30 seconds. Then you've got the Zach Scott situation that lasted about 55 seconds. I mean, they have had almost like four deciders over a three-year period between Alderson, Porter, Scott, and obviously now Billy Epler, who's beginning his second year as general manager. And who knows? I mean, <laughs> I hope Billy's around for a while because it means the Mets are having success. But so far, we have seen a lot of deciders in the short period of time that Steve's run this team. So he looked. He did talk about the team, and he said, you know what? It's, it's a pretty good-looking squad. Well, I was a little surprised that, you know, sort of the prices had gone up for players, you know, more than I would have guessed. And so um, – um, so we, um, you know, listen, it's, it's a fluid situation and, uh, you know, we, we had some ideas on what we wanted to do and you always have contingency plans, right? Cause you never know what's going to, how it's all going to play out. Right. So you need a plan A, plan B, plan C. And, but I'm really pleased at how it turned out. I mean, we had, we had a lot of free agents and, uh, so we had a lot of people to replace and it really turned out well. I'm really excited by this team. Um, walking around yesterday, I feel I mean incredible vibe here. I think this is the best vibe I've felt in, since I've you know started this, uh, being an owner, and uh, so I'm excited. You know, this this is a good looking team. The vibe is good. I, the, the one thing I'll ask about the vibe is what's really the difference between the vibe of this year's team and the vibe of last year's team. Position player wise, it's pretty much the same vibe. It's the same guys. Uh, you know, for the most part, you know, it's a similar core of guys. You know, Justin Verlander certainly gives a different vibe than Jacob DeGrom. Jacob's more to himself. Verlander's the opposite. I mean, basically, there are pictures of him and his wife canoodling on vacation. You know, we're never <laughs> going to see that with Jacob DeGrom. So that vibe is different. Maybe, maybe it's the vibe of expectations because last year, while there were expectations, they were coming off a sub 500 season. It was the reality. Now they're coming off a 101-win season. So maybe it's, and this is what I hope it is, maybe it's the vibe of we know we're good, but we have a chip on our shoulder because that's what you want after you have a playoff disappointment. I, I've talked about this before with various teams in various sports. I love teams who came really close, and then the following year, it feels like they're on a mission. The 2015 Kansas City Royals. The San Antonio Spurs, after they lost in the finals to Miami, come back the following year. Even though they flamed out in the playoffs last year, the Phoenix Suns sort of had that vibe. Like that team that's pissed about what happened to them a year before. I hope that's this Met team, and I hope that's what he means by, I like the vibe of this team. So 
Again, he's talked about how he likes to vibe this team. And by the way, it also second year in a row that a lot of these players are coming back now. Last year, it's a new squad. Maybe some people a little timid because they don't really – I mean, they probably know each other, but they haven't worked together as much, so maybe that's the reason why. But his whole championship or bust mentality. You know how hard it is to, to get into the World Series, right? I mean, as we saw last year, right? So the only thing you can do is put yourself in position where good things can happen. Got to make the playoffs. You got to be, uh, the team's got to be healthy. It's got to be rested. It's got to be raring to go. And then you let the chips fall where they may. And if you keep putting yourself there, one day we'll get there. Okay. Obviously, I'd love it sooner than later, but, you know, I can't control that. He, he is so right about that. And that, that's not, it doesn't mean we're going to be okay with losing in the divisional series or losing in the LCS, but, I do agree with that mentality. I mean, it's basically what the Dodgers have done. Think about how many times the L.A. Dodgers have made the postseason in the last decade. I mean, they make the playoffs every year. I think their streaks at 10 straight years, if I'm not mistaken. Like, I think the Dodger playoff run extends as far back as, like, I know they've made it every year since 2015, and I think they made it in 2014. So this is like a crazy run that they've been on, and look how often they've won. They've only won one World Series. So I think sometimes when you fail in the postseason on a consistent basis, there's a reason. There's kind of a weakness to your team that's caused that. But I also think that sometimes it's just bad luck and sometimes it's good luck. So you have to get there year after year. That's why what I want from this franchise moving forward is just to be there every single year. Now, I'd like to win a World Series. We're going to be frustrated if they don't. We're going to start turning on everybody if they don't. Listen to the way Yankee fans talk. (laughs) And I'm not, like, ripping them for it. I get it. They're in the playoffs every single year. They haven't been to a World Series since 2009. You know, at some point, you start to say, hey, what the hell is wrong? But he is right. If you can win 100 games every single season and make the playoffs every single season, you take your chances that at one point you're going to get hot at the right time and win the whole freaking thing. So talking about, you know, winning the whole thing, there was a comment he said when he first started about the window, winning a World Series in the three- to five-year window. He seems to be not regretting it so much, but he wished he didn't say that in public, I guess. And this is his comment on that. Well, you know, if there was ever one thing I'd like to get back is that one, okay? (laughs) So, uh, you know, but, you know, all kidding aside, there's nothing wrong with – like putting out really, you know, stretch goals, right? Like you may get there and you may not, but it's important to set goals that are high. And so, um, and then try to achieve them. And if we get there, we get there. If not, you know, we'll, we'll keep trying. It's an overrated comment. I mean, <laughs> you know, what is he, not, I guess my question would be, what is he not doing to not achieve that goal? And if the answer someone listening right now is going to say is Carlos Correa, it's not fair because I think we trust that the Mets made a medical decision on why they ultimately didn't seal that deal. So he's trying. You know, it's not like he took over the team and is, you know, maintaining a $150 million payroll saying, yeah, we're trying to win a World Series. We hope to do it in five years. We hope to do that. I also think with this roster, and I've said this to you before, I don't think it's a short window. I think position where position player wise, they have a really big window. I think this core of position players are going to be around for a while. And then if you develop young players like Alvarez, like Beatty, like Vientos, like Mauricio, like Ramirez, it only adds to that. It's the pitching that they're going to spend big on. 
It's the pitching that they're going to have to add basically every two to three years, like a funnel uh, to, to kind of maintain. But position player wise, when you look around the diamond, if they're willing to invest with Alonzo McNeil, Lindor, potentially Beatty Vientos, Alvarez behind the plate, Nimmo signed for a million years. And at least for now, you've got Marte and Canna. So maybe the outfield is where you upgrade at some point. Uh, Juan Soto in two years. Um, that's window is going to remain open. It's more the pitching that every two years, three years, they're going to have to funnel with. But I don't get crazy about that comment, mainly because I had an owner make that comment before. I did. I had an owner many years ago, Mikhail Prokhorov, when he first bought the New Jersey Nets, said, I win title five years. If I don't, I get married. And he didn't get married. They didn't win a freaking title. They traded every draft pick they owned. And then he sold the team. So, I've seen the worst of the worst. You know what I mean? I know Steve Cohen ain't going to sell the team. I know he's not going to disappear off the face of the earth. So the five-year thing was, he's kind of right. It's a goal. Yeah, you hope to win in five years. I hope to win in five years. Like, Pete and I don't want to be doing the Rico Bruni in year four talking about how we haven't won a championship yet. No. Uh, and a couple things, too, though. Like, I'd prefer my owner go out there and make that bold statement. I, I'd, pref- I'd prefer it. Rather than be like, you know, we're going to do our best. Because I think you would hope that every owner wants to do their best to build a team, to win a championship. I want my owner to be bullsy and go out there and make those statements. 